The 2020 sports year is finally over. We finally crown a world champion. No rhymes, no nursery stories in this intro. The Dodgers have finally done it. Over 30 years of a championship drought is over. And so is the 2020 sports year. Let's recap it all right now. It is downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South. John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. And yeah, we've crowned champions in all four major sports in 2020. The Super Bowl in February, NBA Championship, NHL Stanley Cup Championships, and now the World Series in Arlington, Texas is over in six games because Kevin Cash has no idea how to coach a World Series game or has no idea how to handle an all-star ace pitcher like Blake Snell. And, well, good news in terms of uh, the season, but bad news for the Dodgers, Justin Turner has now tested positive for COVID-19. So World Series championship celebration, champagne flying everywhere, and a positive COVID test. This, if this was discovered, and let's say Tampa had won that game. Then what happens to game seven? It doesn't. Then so the, the season literally finished. On the razor's edge of a knife, guys. Beast, oh, boy. we've got a lot to what? talk about with this World Series. It was very, as I said in my rant, I'm going to kind of get right to the meat of it. This was a great World Series. No matter how you look at it, 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 it had everything that you wanted in a World Series. The top teams in the game deserved to be on this stage. They made it here. Both teams had very different styles to how they get here. The Dodgers with great hitters and a very solid depth to their, to their staff. The Rays get in with pitching, a good bullpen, some timely hitting, great fundamental baseball. A David versus Goliath story, if you will. Dodgers have been to the World Series three of the last four years. The Rays only their second trip to the World Series in the last 12 years. But here's where... And I hate to say this to the Tampa Bay Rays. I have had not much bad to say about them. They're a very fun team to watch. Respect Kevin Cash. But Kevin, you screwed up in the pivotal game that mattered most. Game number six last night, you pulled your ace pitcher when he was dealing after 73 pitches. Why? You don't want to know the answer. I think right. I can tell you the answer. That slider that got hit, which I disagree. Snell should have stayed in the game. Cash looks at that and says, well, his stuff diminished. The slider went down by two miles an hour and it hung. Mookie bets if he faces Blake Snell with diminished stuff, is going to blast it out the park. So he thought, let me take Snell out because the problem that Kevin Cash has is he does not think that Blake Snell can go through a third time through an order. He'll leave Glassnell out there for 113 freaking pitches in game one. 
but he won't leave his ace, his literal ace, your best pitcher you in an elimination game who's only given up a total of two hits to that point. It's personal. That, to me, didn't look like an analytics decision. That looked like a personal decision. And the way you saw Blake Snell walk off that mound, John, yeah, it he was took it like a personal face. decision. I was watching the minute Cash pulled him. And I saw Blake uttering a few expletives that obviously they will not share on the screen. He was pissed, visibly pissed. And I would, right I, I would be too. I would be too. I'll say it for you. He literally mouthed this is as he handed the ball to Cash and then side-eyed him as he walked off the mound. Incredible. So, and, and I think he's right. I, I think the entire baseball public who watched that, exactly what he said it was. I don't understand how you take out your ace in game six of the World Series. Look at every other team that's ever won a World Series. How did they do it? They did it on the backs of their aces. Guys like, <clears throat> I know he took steroids, but Roger Clemens, guys like Kurt Schilling, Randy Johnson, would they have been taken out in the sixth inning? Kevin Cash would have been taken out on a stretcher if he tried to take the ball from Randy Johnson after 73 pitches. I promise you that would happen. But yeah, and so far I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read some comments right here from, from current and past MLB players that have been tweeting about this all day. Yep. All right. Let's go back to, well, we already mentioned him. But yeah, let's go back to uh, Noah Syndergaard. So who gets to pull the manager? Really? He, he should not be speaking about anything to do with managers or pulling anything. Noah Look, should keep his mouth shut. Thor needs to, like, turn back to Noah already and stop acting like he's a celebrity when he's halfway out the door. Look at the Matt Harvey story. Ugh. All right, another ace. Enough Luke, about losing. Lucas Giolito. Can't believe they pull him here. Yeah. The big hurt, Frank Thomas. Another analytical meltdown. Total disaster for Tampa. Blake Snow was your only chance of winning a tight game tonight. 73 pitches. Are you kidding me? Now, Chipper Jones. Dude has a 9K two-hit shutout with 75 pitches, and you yank him? Fire me. I'm riding my horse. Now 2-1 Dodgers. Wow. Alex Rodriguez. The Rays front office and computers may end up being the MVP for the Dodgers. Yep. <laughs> Brandon McCarthy, an ex-pitcher. 73 pitches. He's won a Cy Young. I get third time through though through concerns, and he's already up against his longest outing this season. But man alive, this is just this is such a sad a bad look. Yeah. Now, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And that, and there's where I tell you it's personal. Are you ready for this? Please. When was the last time? I, I have a question. Just answer me this. When was the last time Blake Snell pitched beyond the fifth inning in a baseball mm -hmm. game? You have to go back to last year. He's pulled out after the fifth inning because Cash has this infernal idea that Blake Snell can't pitch the third time through the order. He hung one slider. One. And all it did was go to the outfield because the hitter guessed fastball. Snell had him confused anyway. The hanging slider didn't damage anybody. And their best hitter was coming up. You had your best arm. And then not only that, you put in Anderson. 
and he served up the double to Betts. And Betts' agent smithed his ass. That's what happened. Cash put it Mr. Anderson, and Mookie Betts played the part of Agent Smith and erased Tampa's World Series chances. And the sad thing is, Cash had it in the bag. They wasted Kershaw in this series. The Dodgers did everything wrong. Everything wrong that the Dodgers could have done pre-planning this World Series with their rotation. And then you saw the difference to what Roberts did at the end of this game, sticking with Arias when he was dealing. I see Arias is dominating. He's throwing his stuff. Why change it? Keep him in there and have him finish the game. Yep. I thought he was going to go to Trinan. I thought Trinan was going to be ready to come into that game at any minute, but he let Arias finish. I said it. I said it. He was going to leave Urias in because he was going to leave Urias in as a statement. He gave up a hitter. Gave up one run. Or like uh, One runner on base, he'd have been out. You would have seen Trinan. But if Urias was doing the job, Roberts then, wasn't going to make the same mistake he just witnessed Cash make. And don't forget the mistake that uh, was the reason why this went six games. Roberts brought in Ken Lee Jansen to close the game, who has not closed the game consistently all year. Yep. When the Rays won that game, I thought the Rays were going to win the whole series. That's what it was starting to look like. The Dodgers literally made every wrong move that they could have through these six games. And this is why, and I know a lot of people in Florida who listen might be a little pissed off. You need to fire the computer that's running Tampa and get somebody with a soul in here. Because if Kevin Cash had one, the computer took it away. Because now his gut reaction and his gut feelings to things is what the computer would tell him. And where, so, are, the managers, where are the managers today in the game that don't believe in analytics? Are they managing ball clubs right now? Probably not. About, except for Dusty Baker. Where, uh, Dusty yeah. Baker, Joe Girardi, guys like that. Everyone else is like an extension of a Microsoft Surface Pad. And every pitcher throws 95 miles an hour, 97 miles an hour. Strikeout, 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 home run, strikeout, strikeout, home run, strikeout. No wonder what they, they say, oh, they want to pick up the pace of the game. Well, if you wanted to pick up the pace of the game, maybe instead of making these ridiculous three battle rules, 30 seconds between pitches, here's a random clock we don't need. And, oh, wait, this was the best, the mound visits. The mound visit limits. Yes, those really stopped. Oh, my God. You visit the mound the second time in an inning, your pitcher's out of the game. Oh, yeah? No? Yeah? Oh, can't have that? No, because that, that, I'm sure, speeds up the game, right? No, you want to know how you speed up the game? You want to speed up the game in baseball? I can tell you. Soft tossers. Ground balls. Pitchers aren't necessarily supposed to be throwing 10 pitches to a batter to try to strike him out. Yeah. There's the reason you had soft tossers and off-speed pitches and, you know, pitchers that knew how to play with a baseball is to get ground ball outs. You're, if you went out there in the old days and you had 10 strikeouts, but you only pitched seven innings. That's good. That's, that's that incredible. was a bad start in back in the day. Today, that'd be great. Today, you'd be so freaking happy to see that. Yeah, but today, five innings is considered good enough. Today, five oh, yeah. innings is considered good enough. Oh, no, 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 a quality start. 
That's my favorite six innings analytic that start. I've ever seen. A quality, six quality start. start. Six innings is a quality start today. Six, six innings and three runs is considered a quality start. Joke. I don't know what kind of quality it is, but you want to speed up the pace of the But the problem is analytics has taken over so much of the game that they've lost their place. Now, look, I'm not saying that analytics don't have a place in the sport. I'm not saying they don't have a prominent place in the sport or that they shouldn't. They should. Look, numbers don't freaking lie, obviously. But there are some things that numbers can't predict. And there are some things that you can't apply a formula to. And that is momentum and emotion. Those things are illogical, completely illogical. So you could apply numbers and chances and strategies and treat it like, it, like you're a bookie trying to make the right player. Like you're, 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 it's, it's not chess. Baseball is not chess. Baseball is played on emotion and skill. When one man from- against one man. That's baseball. When did we go from drama to Poindexter in, in the computer room? How do I, how do I throw this guy? Uh, Mr. Poindexter, uh, um, how do we take a uh, – do we take a pitcher out? Well, here's what you're going to do. You're going uh, to take this guy. I don't like this pitcher. Yeah. Take him out. He 70 pitches. Huh? Take him out. Go, go to the bullpen. Yeah. Go to the bullpen, Mr. Cash. Yeah. yeah. You, you, have the GM, you have the GM in his ear like, Psh, the computer says to do this. Watson's running Tampa. Oh, God, that's even more scary. <laughs> So, no, but Watson's running baseball. You know, actually, Watson, IBM, part, they're, they're part of the analytics in baseball. They advertise with them. They said an old saying, hitting is timing, pitching is upsetting timing. Yep. You, know that quote, you know where that quote was from? Where? That was a quote from Warren Spahn, one of the great left-handers in the game. By the way, that's who the Warren Spahn Award is named for, which goes to all lefty pitchers. And Warren Spahn, I can tell you this, did not throw hard. He was a soft-tossing left-hander. He relied on off-speed pitches. That's how he got people out. Yep, and that's been the disease of baseball, but that's the disease of analytics, and analytics has gotten us 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, has gotten us pitchers that blow out their arm and need Tommy John surgery two or three days. Exactly. Exactly. Times because they're developing a hook to go with a 90 mile an hour fastball that they naturally could not throw, built and developed because they put so much strength so they can throw 90 plus. But then if they try to throw an off speed pitch, shh, there goes your elbow. Tommy John surgery. Wonder why all these pitchers are getting injured. Yeah. But what but happened to back the days? To the point. But what happened to the days when we had pitchers? that could throw 120-something pitches a game. I thought the job of the starting pitch was you come in yeah. and finish the game. I know that's that was how I it, know that's not the philosophy anymore. I know, but I know it's not the philosophy anymore. And I'm not saying go back to that. I know, but I'm, I'm not saying go back to that. I'm not saying go back to that. The game has changed. Obviously, the game has changed. But if your ace only is 73 pitches and it's the fifth inning, and their best hitters come into the plate, you don't go to the pen. Hell. I don't care it, how good your pen is, you don't. Not, not when you're guys stealing. Let Snell get bets. That was ridiculous. That was stupid. And to yeah. tell you the truth, let's get back to the point. Congratulations to the Dodgers. Yes. Because 
1988 is a long time to wait. But that was given to them on a platter by Tampa because the Dodgers literally made every wrong analytical move you could. It's a very telling sign. And right now, I feel for two people on the Rays right now for losing this World Series. I feel for Blake Snell. Kid was dealing, and you take him out. Randy Rose Arena carried this Rays team on his back, and they're going to go home with no title. Their season is over. And it's all because Cash couldn't trust his ace to get one more guy out. I can't believe that he didn't learn from what Aaron Boone did. I mean, Aaron Boone made, made the same mistake that Cash just made. You saw Aaron Boone take Davey Garcia out after an inning, after giving up one run. And then look how that turned the series for Tampa. But Aaron Boone wouldn't even take out his ace like that. That's Danny Garcia. That's a 21-year-old pitcher. This is Blake Snell. Well, Garrett Cole in games five, he went went five and a third innings, uh, I believe. This is a perennial all-star in an elimination game where he's given up to that point two hits. Unexcusable. So congrats to the Dodgers. They did everything analytically incorrect. They stuck to their gut. Maybe that should show everybody in baseball. Maybe it's time to put the computers down a little bit and uh, take a look at what's actually going on on the field. Because the analytics are great, but they're not everything. And that wraps up this 2020 sports year. When we come back... We take a look into 2021 championships. Mm. We take a look at the NFL, our top 10. It's going to be crazy. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente, alongside my co-host, the mouth of the South, John Chivoni. Before we dive into our next segment, uh, Mouth, where can our listeners hear our podcast? They can hear us on Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, and Bullhorn. Ten different platforms, ten different places to hear us. Interviews, rants, episodes, whatever you need. Tuesday and Wednesday of every week. On with episodes every week. I do want to just dive into one little bit before we dive into our NFL top 10. The last time Blake Snell threw mm-hmm. six innings in a game, we talked about it. It had been a year. July of 2019 was the last time Blake Snell threw six innings in a game. you believe that? And you think it's that Kevin Cash doesn't have a problem with Blake Snell? And you know what was even more upsetting? Blake Snell had nine strikeouts in four innings. You know who the last pitcher was that did that in a World Series? Who? Sandy Koufax, the ninth sixty-three Dodgers. Crazy, crazy, just crazy. Of course, Koufax. I can imagine had a front row seat watching that performance. What Blake Snell was doing, I'm sure, as a left-hander himself, Mm -hmm. imagine what's going through his mind seeing Blake Snell get lifted. This is just uh, that was the worst decision I've ever seen. And then to hear Cash actually talk about why he did it was even worse. To hear him actually explain away that BS nonsense was worse. He basically sold out his left-hander. That's what he did. Yep. He's, he's uh, yeah, I guarantee you Blake Snell's not going to be a Ray much longer. 
I wonder if how many any loyalty to that organization. It was gone after that. I'm wondering how many of these. I'm wondering how many of these Rays are going to want to stay next year. We'll see what happens. Uh, there are going to be some. There are going to be some things. There's going to be some moves happening in this offseason. Tampa's going to have a long offseason to think about this big time. But let's dive into our top ten. Want to thank our man Krista Large for sending us a very, very different and updated top ten following week seven. Different and updated. Yeah, very different. How different? How, how many new teams are on this list? Well, uh, it's not really the new teams that are on here, but it's the order that they're okay. in. Okay. It's really been changed. All right. Let's begin with our number 10 team, the Saints. Wow. Number 10 on the list now. At one point, New Orleans was in the upper five. Yep. Now they're at the bottom at number 10. Drew Brees has regressed. There's no other way to say it. Drew Brees has regressed. He's at the end of his career. It's not really a, you know, you haven't really seen any visible signs of it yet, to be very frank. I haven't really seen a visible sign. And yeah. Uh, he's Carolina. just a slower. His passes are just a, it's just a hair slower than he used to be. It's just a hair slower than he used to be. It, it, Thomas, it also shows when they don't have Michael Thomas, how different of an offense they are without him. It's a big difference. Yep. yep. All right. Saints rely on skill players. Breeze yeah. gets them and Breeze gets them the ball in space. Mm-hmm. That's how that offense works. Uh, you know, the problem with an offense like that is if you're relying on speed, a lot of defenses have a lot more speed than most offenses do nowadays in the NFL. Defenses tend to be faster than offenses nowadays. Yeah. Number nine, the L.A. Rams. And they did come off a very impressive win Monday night, defeating the Chicago Bears. But it's the Chicago Bears. Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. I like that five and two for the Bears – Great job. We still need to figure out how to play offense in Chicago. Well, you have Nick Foles. I thought Nick Foles was going to solve the problem after they benched Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. Uh, The problem seems to be the coach. Matt Nagy. It seems to be because he's calling the plays, right? So two different quarterbacks. One is a uh, Super Bowl champ. Even uh, I could tell you that even Foles started to show a little dismay for Nagy, and that should be a telling sign. If he's showing dismay, maybe Nagy's time is coming in, in Chicago. Maybe well, it hasn't been Mitch Trubisky's fault this whole time. Maybe. But do you know what? They're still 5-2, and two, but here's the thing. The Rams did their job. They went in. They beat a team that they needed to beat, and they, beat, they beat a team they needed to beat to, st- to get ahead of them in the playoff rankings. So yeah. Rams did their job. They took care of business this week. Number eight on our list. The Baltimore Ravens. Quite a bit of a drop-off for the Ravens, but you know what? They were coming off a bye week. and That in Pittsburgh's better. Yeah. Now the Ravens are potentially uh, maybe going to have a new weapon coming. They did uh, reach an agreement on their practice squad. Dez Bryant is back. The longtime wide receiver for Dallas is joining the Ravens. If he can get on the main roster, the talk about another addition to the offense that Lamar Jackson will have to throw the football to. Uh, it depends. I don't know what Des Bryant is at this point in his career. He's 32 years old, 31 years old. He still has some uh, – I'm not saying he doesn't, but what I'm saying is, what does he have left? Because teams haven't taken a chance on him until now. So Let's be very fair. He was out, he was out with an injury two years ago. Actually, mm-hmm. no, last year he got injured while working with the Saints. It's not like he wasn't working out and getting ready for a potential for a team to sign him. Well, we'll see what Des Bryant can do. It's it's something. I mean, look, Baltimore can use all the weapons it can get. 
you know, they are a little beat up at the running game, just a smidgen. Ingram is a little banged up. So Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards have to do carry the bulk of the running. And obviously Lamar can do it himself. But Lamar needs to show that he's also a passing quarterback as well. And having another weapon like Des Bryant could be a very, very handy uh, addition. If Des Bryant could be at least 80% of the player he was in Dallas, that's going to be really helpful to Lamar Jackson. Next. Number seven, the Buccaneers. Number one in the NFC South. You know, they should be higher on this list. The Buccaneers were still kind of waiting for the Buccaneers to really – tick it up a little bit i'm not saying what, what else do they have to do they they just win every week with tom brady and right, Gronk I mean, and yeah. now antonio brown's coming yeah, into the antonio mix he's going to join the, the buccaneers now from what i've heard from a lot of players they feel that he has that he's humbled now that he's matured look um, i'm just going to say one thing mental illness is a hard thing to deal with and anybody who's judged antonio brown based upon that needs to check themselves at the door. And oh, I've heard this mental illness claim, mental illness, mental illness about Antonio Brown. At all. I don't think Brown had mental illness. I think he I don't know if he had mental illness or doesn't have mental illness, but it, it, here's the difference. The fact that that was even being brought up as a reason why he shouldn't play in the NFL was ridiculous. Antonio Brown didn't have a chance to really do much when he was on the Patriots with Brady. This time around, going to be a lot different. Look at the players that have come around Tom Brady. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. You have Gronk. You have Ronald Jones. Leonard Fournette just came back from being hurt. How scary now is that Buccaneers team? And you have Under Bruce Arians Arian. running the show. And yeah. you have Bruce Arians running the show. Oh, no, yeah. By the way, Todd Bowles is coaching your defense. And that defense looks about as good, if not better, than the offense does. Shaq Barrett, JPP, and Levante David are probably the most dangerous trio of linemen you'll, that you're going to see in the NFL right now. Let me tell you something. That NFC South rolls through Tampa. I don't think New Orleans is going to win that division. You don't think so. The Saints already beat the Bucks in their previous meeting, and uh, the Saints uh, destroyed them. Forget beat them. They destroyed the Bucks. Look at the way the Bucks are playing right now. Look at the way Brady is every week getting better in that offense. Every week getting more comfortable in that offense. We're seeing. We're seeing it. I can't believe And I almost don't want to root for Tom Brady, but I would love to see him hoist a Super Bowl trophy before Belichick even gets near one ever again. Well, look what's happening in New England right now. Cam Newton coming off three interceptions. Patriots played one of the worst football games I've ever seen New England play in my life. Do you think Belichick's time is coming to its conclusion? I don't know yet, but this is the first time we've seen Bill Belichick in a situation like this in New England. I don't think Belichick has faced adversity like this since he was coaching. He was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Belichick has not faced this much adversity since he's been in New England at all. Not even... With Bledsoe as a starter, did he face this much adversity? This is the worst a Belichick team has ever looked when he was Cleveland's head coach. That was the last time. So this is definitely going to be uh, – I think now this should be the end-all conversation. Belichick didn't make the Patriots. Tom Brady made the Patriots. I'm Look, the season's not over. We For can't now. say that just yet. 
But remember, the, with expanded playoffs, the Patriots could still get in. Patriots do not look like nearly the same football team without Brady. It's evident there. It's evident. And Cam Newton doesn't look the same since he caught COVID nineteen. Not even close. Not even close. And, and and people say, oh no, but Cam said he felt fine. Cam said he felt well. Look off. at Cam. Cam is completely off. He's he off. might feel fine. There's something off with him. Ever since he caught the COVID nineteen, his plays dropped. I can already tell you one such NFL player already has been hospitalized twice with COVID, and he should have been starting this year as a running back. Rykel Armstead, who's with the Jags, who replaced Leonard Fournette, he has been sick with COVID, and he's not even going to play the rest of the year because of complications. So let just let just this show you something. COVID doesn't care who you are, yep. even an NFL player. We were so lucky to get the World Series in. Next on the list. Number six, Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals, who are now second in the NFC West, and defeated the Seattle. Why are they not in the top five? Because they should be. Well, there's five other teams in Chris's mind that were a little better than that. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, mind you, the uh, Cardinals did have to really survive this game, and they got Tyler Murray. That that you wanted a breakout before. You said, "Where's the breakout performance?" This was it. Down. By 10, adversity level beyond, beyond against Russell Wilson, the best team in football, and they got it done. They defended their home field. And they have beaten at least everybody once <clears throat> in the NFC West. They've beaten the first hurdle of the NFC West, ever beating everybody one time. Now, can in they- the race, that is the NFC West. You see, in the NFC West race right now, all the teams were tied record-wise. Cardinals would be the one ahead. They're winning the divisional matchups. The Cardinals games are a little more valuable than the game Seattle are winning or San Francisco or LA are winning. They're winning outside of their division. Arizona's winning inside the division. They should be in the top five. Let's see who they play down the road. But yeah, their defense has gotten better. And you saw Patrick Peterson and his ability to shut down DK Metcalf. That was incredible. Yep. Number, Number five on our list, the Buffalo Bills. They I wouldn't place them above. Nah, I wouldn't place them above Arizona right now. Mm. They barely squeaked by the Jets. Yeah, they, they barely squeaked by the Jets. Touchdown! It was all field goals. I know. It was all field goals. That's I know. The scary part about it. Buffalo should be sixth on this list. Arizona should be fifth. I, I think Buffalo very slowly is slipping. It's, it's happening it's right It's the same right. story with the Bills all the time. They start off looking so hot, and then everybody looks at them, and they're the sexy pick to win the division. They're the, they're the team that everybody's always waiting to break out. When's Buffalo finally going to break out? Some of the same mistakes are happening with Josh Allen that were the concerns about drafting him in the first place. The turnovers are beginning to uh, creep back up into his play again. Because he's getting hit again. The O-line play is dropped. And that's scary. If the O-line is struggling, Josh Allen's going to struggle. And if the O-line's struggling, nothing Buffalo does works. Number four on our list, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. They did pick up their first loss, but they did, they did show that they still have fight in them, and they, they rallied. They, the they Titans were- are a real team. They're going to be there to the end. Expect to see them possibly make an AFC championship run. Mike Vrabel has a great – As long as Derrick Henry is their running back. Oh, forget it. You can't even – he's a one-man wrecking crew alone. 
like I said last week, the only way to stop Henry is to meet him in the parking lot with weapons. That's it. That's the only thing you could do. Because the second he puts on pads and is in cleats and on grass, he's unstoppable. Number three, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. They dropped a little bit, yes. They did beat the Denver Broncos, all right. I mean – I see – look, I see exactly why Kansas City's number three, but Mahomes is Mahomes is Mahomes is Mahomes. And next week he's got a brand-new utility knife coming that Andy Reid's actually going to know how to use. Oh, he, well, we already saw a little hint of Le'Veon Bell. He did debut last week. They didn't use him very much. They didn't use him for too many plays, but – Oh, yeah, they'll, they're going to throw the sink at the <laughs> You're going to see Le'Veon Bell go off probably this week. So what's the over-under in Vegas on Bell gains 200 yards? Like, that, uh, that's a good over. question. I'm going to say over. I, yeah, I, I would bet the over. If the over, if, if, if the over is going to make you, make you a massive amount, bet the over on that. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Fair. They should not be number one on this list. You, uh, you do not tell me that a team who lost to a division rival that they should have beaten that they are better than gets to be number one on this list, especially after the way they blew that game. You saw the problem, though, with Seattle, and that's their defense. They, have, they cannot stop opponents on defense. They not can't defense. rush the quarterback. Now they did. That's changed now. They added Carlos Dunlap. They did make a trade with the Bengals and got Carlos Dunlap, which is a big addition. Will it be a big that, addition? That puts their defense over the top. That puts it – you know why? Because now you have somebody that can consistently pressure the quarterback without you having to rush. Dunlap can get to the quarterback. That's his job. Seek still and destroy. Though, That's what he does. Still, though, uh, Jamal Adams still has been hurt. They haven't had Adams for a couple of weeks. That, that's a very visible – minus on their defense and you see Wagner's getting more and more frustrated as he plays penalties for Wagner and that's surprising the uh the unsportsman like conduct penalty oh, yeah. that was on when the when that was when Arizona could have kicked a field goal on that drive before the touchdown and then of course a killer penalty wiped out a Metcalf game winning touchdown in overtime yep my fantasy team as well which I was very upset about look I'm just gonna say this the discipline on the Seattle defense is starting to slip Pete Carroll's got to get that all back together. Um, the problems that you saw against Arizona weren't, aren't just specific to Arizona. A lot of teams can do this to Seattle. They figured out that Seattle can't defend a quarterback draw up the middle. That's what Arizona figured That's out in the third and fourth quarter. Get that figured out. If you can't defend a quarterback draw up the middle consistently and Tyler Murray's ripping 15-yard gains off of you running up the middle – you see how much they miss Jamal Adams. And yeah. then also, you see how much Wagner's play has declined. Big time. Number one on our list, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, last the one undefeated team left. The last undefeated team in the league. Look, are the Steelers the best team in the league? No, I don't think so. I think Seattle's better. However, your record is what your record is. And nobody's beaten them yet. So until they do, Pittsburgh's number one. Roethlisberger's back. Roethlisberger's playing like an MVP. Roethlisberger has taken this Pittsburgh team that looked abysmal last season and put that offense back together. It's general is back. The Steelers have also a lot more of a – they got their edge back on defense. That's the scary part of the Steelers. And anybody that knew the Steelers back in the day – 
They were always a hard-hitting, punishing defense. They were not afraid to take your head off on defense if they had to. Tomlin's put that same Tomlin's put that same drive and fire back into those guys. Micah Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, and Joe Hayden and Bud Dupree just add that extra energy to that defense. And now the Steelers, now the Steelers are going to have a big test this week. They're playing the Ravens this week, an NFC North rivalry that we know too far and well. And uh, I can tell you, Steeler Ravens games they get ugly. If they, it's going to get so ugly that Lamar Jackson might get hurt. I mean, between Watt and Dupree, they're going to be after Jackson. Do you think we're even going to see Jackson even dare running the football in this game, or are you going to see more throwing out of him? I think you're going to see Jackson running the football because I think it's the only thing he's going to be able to do. You see, here's the thing. Pittsburgh's secondary is stellar. They're fast. Mm -hmm. And not only are they fast, they hit hard. They're not trying to knock the ball out of your hand. They're trying to blast your receivers. So if Lamar Jackson wants to try to be a pocket passer, Pittsburgh's going to let him have those three-yard, four-yard throws all day. Because by the time the second half comes around, either those receivers are going to be a step or two slower because they've been hit so much, or they're going to be out of the game due to injury. Lamar Jackson needs to run the football in this game. In fact, if Lamar Jackson doesn't run the football and control the clock, Ben's going to put 30 on that Ravens defense. We've seen the Steelers light up the scoreboard, and it's not like Big Ben. Against good defenses, too. Listen, as much as you, everybody wants to bash the Giants, they're a top-five defense in the NFL. And the Steelers have a very different, besides Big Ben, obviously, their offense is a lot different from where it once was. Le'Veon Bell is gone. Andrew <clears throat> Brown is gone. They got rid of the egos. And they now, got rid of the egos, and they left one ego. They, and the one ego is Ben. That's now the only see, ego around that offense. But you see the team he's got now, James Conner being the running back now. Deontay Johnson, whoever heard of Deontay Johnson? Nobody knew who, Clay, who Chase Claypool was. But that's the strength of a good quarterback. And Roethlisberger is cut from that same cloth as uh, Tom Brady and uh, Peyton Manning, where you put people around him, he makes them better. Eli had a little bit of that while he was a Giants quarterback. Not much, I mean, but I'd say uh, Manningham and Ike Hilliard and uh, Hakeem Nicks have uh, Eli Manning to thank for their careers. So, like, but you don't see quarterbacks anymore that bring up and the and elevate the level of play of the people around them in today's NFL. Ben is one of those that are still able to do that, as is Brady, as is Mahomes. Lamar Jackson hasn't learned that skill yet. He needs to figure it out if he's going to beat this Pittsburgh team. That's been where that's been where Lamar Jackson has struggled when he has to face a big team like him, like that has a great run, a great quarterback that is not afraid to throw the ball around to his different receivers. That's where I think Lamar Jackson has to improve. That's where he always needs to get Lamar done. Jackson needs to help his defense out. He really needs to help his defense out. The Ravens' defense is not a bad defense. They don't look as good as they have in previous years, but that's because Lamar Jackson does not keep the ball. He doesn't hold the ball long enough. They're near the bottom in passing. You know that? Ravens are near the bottom of the league in passing. You're not eating clock. You're not moving the ball through the air. You're not gaining huge chunks of yardage. You're one-dimensional, and you're possessing the ball for less than 25 minutes a game. 
but yet it's not a formula for success. That's not a formula to be a top team in the NFL. Kansas City can score at will too. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs score at will, and doesn't seem to affect them as much as it affects the Ravens. Yeah, but different. The, what's different here? The difference is Mahomes could move it through the air and on the ground. The difference is Kansas City could come at you in multiple different ways. They could throw three different packages at you. They could take out Kareem. Oh my God, they could take out literally. Kelsey, out. You take out Edwards Hilaire. He's gone. You take away uh, – give me another Give me another one. Tyree Kill. Yeah. You take away Tyree Kill. You know what you still got? Le'Veon Bell. To run the ball, throw it to – The Chiefs can do everything. And, by the way, Mahomes is just as much of a utility knife as Bell is. Just like Bell could run – Except passes and block, Mahomes could run and pass. By the way, damn good blocker in the open field, too, is Pat Mahomes. That's the difference. The skill level for Mahomes is just beyond Lamar Jackson. And the scary part is he's only a couple of years in the league, Mahomes, and he's only going to get better. That's the scary thing about it. But the, scary, but the good thing for Lamar Jackson is he's only his second year in the league. Third year in the league for Lamar Jackson. He's been here three years. Third year in the league. Okay. Third year. And he's done very well. Look, he's going to have a good career. He's going to be in the NFL for a long time. Still figuring out who he is. Did a pretty damn good job. MVP under his belt. Guy knows how to play the position. But can he lead the people around him? That's where he needs to improve. You have to win the big game if you are Lamar Jackson. The, also, the Ravens O-line could do a little bit of a better job blocking for him, too. Oh, no, yeah, you're not wrong about that, no. He needs to show to the rest of the NFL, can I win against one of the elite teams in the league? Because it already you already saw what happened when he played Kansas City on a primetime game. And look what Kansas City did to the Ravens. I'd say they if – uh, They picked the Ravens apart. Lamar Jackson barely threw the football. Ravens barely even had the ball at all. But now it's time because the division hangs in the balance here. Cleveland was making a little bit of noise. Got snuffed they still are. They're five and out two. real quick by Pittsburgh. You know, don't, don't sleep on the Browns either. I know they're five and – I know they have – Baker Mayfield has completely stunk against big-name teams, but – Let me just say this. Pittsburgh is better than Cleveland. I think we – I think Baltimore's better than Cleveland as well. I think we saw the Cleveland. And, and now Beckham's gone. Oh, yeah. So well, they lost their big play receiver. I mean, they know, and I got another, but, like, you know, when you – but now other dudes going to get, be getting double covered. So I kind of throw them out of this mix. I know the Browns are going to be a playoff team, but they're not winning this division. This weekend's going to decide the AFC North. We're really going to find out very soon by – I. I would say by this week, maybe by the ninth week, which teams are separating from the pack. It's beginning to happen before our very eyes. It's happening. And, and next week, we're really going to separate the contenders from the pretenders. But we got two pretenders to talk about next segment. And we're going to get right into them. The Giants and the Jets. And guys, Jet fans, you could finally let it go. You could finally live it down. It's all right. Butt fumble is no longer the worst play 
any of us have ever seen from a New York quarterback. We'll find out what has taken that infamous play's place as the worst play ever made by an NFL quarterback in New York. Back after this. And we're back to Downtown Sports, our last and final segment of the show. Beast, where can they hear us? We are on 10 different platforms on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, CastBox, and Bullhorn. 10 different sites every Tuesday, Wednesday, rants and live episodes every week. We are Downtown Sports and we're sports come home. On the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. That was the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. And we've got to get into the third segment. I said I wasn't going to talk these New York football teams until one of them won a game. They did. And now I have to talk about them. I don't want to. You don't want to. You have to. The things are only going to get better, right? No. 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 They're not getting better. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. What could possibly- I told y'all last segment that I was going to talk about this, that I was going to talk about the fact that we now have a more embarrassing play from a quarterback in New York. Ladies and gentlemen, the 80-yard run by Daniel Jones, which should have been a touchdown, except he was tackled at the 12-yard line by air. I thought Mark Sanchez running into the rear end of his lineman could have been couldn't have been worse. I I don't know what Daniel Jones ran into. He ran into something. He looked like it looked like it was a pretty bad fall too. You know, he hit it. He must have hit his leg on something out there. Maybe maybe, maybe, Buffalo, uh, maybe Buffalo Wild Wings hit a button to bring the sprinkler up and tripped him. Maybe they didn't want the game to end like that. You ever see? Yeah, that? maybe that's it. They brought the sprinkler so they could sell more wings and be what? How do you run eighty yards? Only, only in New York, only in New York. And that's the way it seems to be with sports lately. Only in New York do you find this level of ineptitude. Because seriously, if you think that that was the worst thing from uh, this last football week, the Jets were gift-wrapped a game, handed to them. Josh Allen went, here's a present. And the Jets said, forget your present. I don't like presents. I don't want to win a game. Literally, it's like the Jets find new and inventive ways to lose. You don't even give up a touchdown and you still lost. I know. Field goals. Six freaking field goals. And if, it, if you think it can't get worse, it is. Because next week you're playing the Holmes and the Chiefs if you're the Jets. Le'Veon Bell. I feel like they're going to give up 70 points. Yeah, you called 70 points. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to see from the Jets. Definitely not going to be effective offense with Sam Darnold at the helm. You'll see one quarter where the Jets play really good. And then the second there's any adversity – they just fall flat. 
Most of the Jets like their coach. They score on one drive, and then the Jets uh, think that's good enough, and then we don't have to we don't have to put much effort into the game anymore. We run three and out, three and out, three and out. Darnold gets picked off, three and out, three and out. Yeah. Darnold picked again. Yep. And when, especially that pick going into the halftime. That was a killer. That led to a field goal. Yep. And here's the thing. Whenever this team gets punched in the mouth, they look confused and bewildered. And then you go look at the head coach, and he's the most confused and bewildered of them all. And now, Trevor Lawrence. More rumors coming out. I thought that Bleacher Report statement might have been BS. But now we hear this. Trevor Lawrence still is not committed to the NFL draft. He is still wishy-washy about does he want to even go into the draft. And one of the main reasons is because it's looking like the Jets are going to get the number one pick. And everybody seems to be in his ear telling him to stay in school if the Jets get the first pick. Wow. When have you ever been in a situation like that when you're the number one draft pick? The Jets could be that team to get you. Any football team or or team could be there to get you, and you don't want to play for them. You know what's – and let me just remind everybody what what the Bleacher Report quote said. How bad do you have to be for nobody to even want to play for you? How bad do you – how bad of an organization do the Jets have to be for somebody? Now – Think about this. You have two choices in front of you. Beast of the East, you have two choices, right? Mm-hmm. Choice A, you get to stay in college one more year, play for free, not get paid, can't get any endorsement deals, any endorsement money, and you get kicked off the team if you get a C or lower in intro to biology. Or you could go play for the New York Jets, get first-round salary draft money, the money that you would get for being the first pick in the NFL draft, and start your NFL career making millions of dollars. It's like what they say when you uh, are about to retire from your job. You take the money and run. Yeah, but here's the thing. Lawrence is running, but he's not running to the money. The fact that Trevor Lawrence is looking at this decision, which – in just about any other case would be the easiest decision you ever made. It's like, hmm, you know what? I want breakfast. What do I do? Do I have breakfast or do I eat breakfast tomorrow? This is the literal decision. Do you want breakfast now or do you want breakfast tomorrow? Usually you want breakfast right now. But in this decision, in this case, breakfast is a moldy piece of toast with rotten cream cheese and uh, orange that has rotted from the inside. That's what the Jets' breakfast is. you imagine if Trevor Lawrence played basketball instead of football and the Knicks were you, terrific? You think you want to go to the Knicks and play for Jimmy Dolan? I don't know. It, 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 but, but beyond that, beyond that, the fact that somebody is turning down or even potentially that this is – And now this isn't the first set of reports. This is the second set of reports. The first set of reports was Trevor Lawrence quoted being saying, I don't want to play for that trash-ass team. That is how bad it is. I thought Woody Johnson was bad. Chris is worse. 
My God, because you're doing worse with Chris. I can't believe I'm saying that. Chris Johnson doesn't have a brain in his head. Scary to think about that. It's just a joke. I- I'm going to start screaming and cursing. Ugh. Unreal. Unreal. And then, and then, and then, and then, Joe Douglas, the savior, right? Everybody thinks Joe Douglas is going to save everything. Yeah. What are the moves that Joe Douglas made to save this team, John? Trade Jamal Adams. Cut Le'Veon Bell. Well, we got Makai Becton. Got a, oh, yeah. Great. Got a, we got Mr. Brandon Mann. Guy who could you be- could have drafted Lamb, but you didn't. Could have didn't draft-, draft Lamb. Nope, not good enough. Let's draft Denzel Mims. Has he been on the field yet? Uh, he finally did get on the field in, against the Bills this past week. Oh, okay. Four catches for 42 yards. I mean, not terrible, but, you know, it didn't help that Jamison Crowder was hurt. But at the same time, Mims is not Robbie Anderson, at least not yet. Not even close. We haven't seen – again, we haven't seen Mims even play more than one game so far. But remember, Robbie Anderson wasn't good enough to even be tendered an offer by Joe Douglas. And yet everybody wants to give Joe Douglas a chance to – Pick a head coach and draft a quarterback. Um, when the coach picked the damn GM. I love how everyone forgets this part that Adam Gaze pushed for Joe Douglas. He was a part of the hiring process. Oh, goodness gracious. How is the head coach responsible for part of the hiring process? For the new general manager. Why did the Johnsons even allow this to even happen at all? I, none of this makes sense. Because none of this makes any sort of business sense at all. Seriously. What kind of authority does Joe Douglas have over Adam Gaze if Gaze is the one that got him the job? I thought Mike McCagnan couldn't have been any worse. I thought, uh, I thought Jerry Reese couldn't have been any worse. You know, when the, Jets, when the Jets were considering to hire Cliff Kingsbury or Adam Gaze and everybody kept saying, well, at least Gaze is a real NFL head coach. Look at what Cliff, well, look at what Kingsbury did at Texas Tech. Horrible. Under 500 in college. Look at Arizona. And look at us. They have a quarterback that's mobile and can run. He throws for 300 yards a game and rushes for 60. And gets like three or four touchdowns a game. The Jets have a mobile, a mobile quarterback who could run. Except Adam Gaze doesn't seem to understand that Sam Darnold has legs. He keeps him in the pocket. He doesn't even let Darnold roll out to throw. That's when he's at his best is when the team is moving with him. Yet you're trying to make him a stand back in the pocket passer. And this is what got him fired in Miami. This is what ruined Tannehill for the first half of his career until he finally left. Yeah, and now look at Tannehill. Now look at Tannehill. It's going to happen with Sam Darnold, too. I guarantee it. So Sam Darnold, he's going to have some suitors. And if the Jets actually let him go and caught him in the offseason without trading him, that's the, the biggest indictment of Joe Douglas I've ever seen. That's the biggest one. You get this quarterback, and then 
oh, because he's not my draft pick, I'm not going to help him succeed. Meanwhile, Darnold was a better prospect than Trevor Lawrence was now. Why would Trevor Lawrence want to go to the Jets for any reason? Why? Having second thoughts about wanting to leave to go to the NFL. Because it looks like the Jets can't even win a football game. They don't want to win a football game. That's the point of the matter. They have not shown to me this year at all that they have any care in the world they want to win a game. The receivers are always covered. The, line, the running lanes are always blocked. It's like th- there's no way. And then Adam Gaze on the sidelines, eyes wide open, but can't see a thing, apparently. And then on top of that, the Giants don't even look that much better. And it's almost as if we got the general managers confused. I think Gettleman and Douglas are confused as to which teams they're general managing because you got a guy in uh, Douglas who thinks he needs a new quarterback, but he really doesn't. He needs a whole new rest of the team and coaching staff around said quarterback. And then you have a guy in Gettleman who thinks he has the quarterback, but that guy should be on the next bus back to Duke. Daniel Jones is not the quarterback. Haskins will have a better career than Daniel Jones. Well, he's out there to go to another team as well, along with Darnold. Yep. Giving up on Haskins. Yeah, that's the word. They're going, they're tanking for Lawrence too. And I think the Giants should join right in. Honestly. Well except, well, except now the Washington football team has two wins now. The Jets still having zero. Yep. It was even scary. New England's only got two wins. Wow. This New York situation is about as hopeless as it's ever been. All the New York teams, for the most part, have inept ownership, except for a fair couple. I'll be kind with them. You know, Yanks have the Steinbrenners. Fine. They're, they went from being great to good. Then we move on to the Maras, who after Wellington died, can't handle the divorce from Coughlin and the divorce from Eli. In either case, they handled them poorly. And you're seeing the results of poor decision-making and poor management straight away. And then the Jets with the Johnson family, Woody... Now, I'm not going to hate on Woody as much because multiple playoff appearances, two years in a row, AFC championships under Woody Johnson, when he took over in 2000, Woody has actually brought the team to prominence a little bit. Chris Johnson. His brother has destroyed anything that Woody tried to build over the last two years and has made the Jets into the laughingstock of the NFL. Now, the Rangers and the Knicks, owned by James Dolan, Dolan doesn't give a crap about the Rangers, so that's Glenn Sather's job. So luckily the Rangers are safe from Dolan and his insanity. But, you know, James Dolan wants to go around and call former Nick Greats alcoholics and throw them out of the building. So I guess what I'm saying is welcome to New York, Steve Cohen. Because, by the way, Major League Baseball approved that, so congrats to Cohen. He is now the new owner of the New York Mets. The Wilpons are now relegated to a measly 5%. But it seems that every owner falls into these traps. So I just want to tell Cohen, just give you a couple of tips. Hire the right people and leave them alone. Don't get involved. Look at the Rooney family who run the Steelers. Let me give you that example. Mm-hmm. How many head coaches have the Steelers had in the span of three? That's it. It began with Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, now Mike Tomlin. 
But every one of those years, the Roonies only cared about winning. The Roonies want to win. They don't like to lose. Look at the Chiefs. Lamar Hunt, and now running the team, is Clark Hunt, his son. Clark took on Lamar's winning mentality, and he turned the Chiefs, got Patrick Mahomes, and now the Chiefs, he lets Andy Reid do his job, lets the general manager do his job. He doesn't have to stick his nose where it doesn't belong. Robert Kraft and the Patriots is another example. Robert Kraft. And you know the funny part? Belichick and Brady do their thing for 16 years. You know what the funny part of all that is? Belichick and Kraft don't even like each other. Belichick and Kraft hate each other. But they managed to work together and make it happen. The phone, welcome to New York. Please fix the Mets because the rest of these owners don't seem to have a clue what they're doing. You have Dolan who can't admit that systemic racism exists. You have... The Johnson family, who Woody's racist himself, said racist comments on the steps of the UN. And then Chris Johnson is the, the worst administrator I've ever seen of anything. And I then... It was worse. I thought my Tannenbaum couldn't have been worse as the general manager. Literally, Joe Douglas. The Johnsons just hired people to destroy their entire roster. I, I, that, that's literally what all Adam Gaze and Joe Douglas have done. Strip the roster of all talent. It's all a game to That them. was acquired before they got there. It's all a game to them. Please. Because even the Steinbrenners are starting to slip and believe in the computer too much. Please. just And I know the Mets analytics department was 100 years behind with computers from the year 2000 because they didn't want to get more computers because they were too expensive. I understand that, but please just hire the right people. Let them do their job. And if you notice that they're not doing what you want them to do, which is win, Get a new bunch of people to do it. That's all you have to do as an owner. And that's all you have to do as an owner in the city. And everyone will love you. You know why? Because you'll spend the proper amount of money on the Mets for the first time in their history. Two, you'll make little brother actually somebody that everybody in the city wants to watch, not just hardcore Met fans. And three, you bring the city back to where it's supposed to be a baseball town. We've been a football town for so long because we haven't had much to celebrate in the way of baseball, especially considering the Mets and their fall from grace from the early, from the early to mid 2000s. Because let me tell you something from 98 to 2008, that was the best 10 year period for the Mets. For Cohen, Cohen, please reverse this trend. Please let New York ownership, get better i'm tired of seeing failure i'm tired of seeing loss i'm tired of seeing gays i'm tired of seeing mike woodson in his second go around with the knicks i'm tired of seeing i'm tired of seeing the jets ruin quarterback after quarterback after quarterback i'm tired of almost getting world championships but the analytics book said to do this i'm tired of prompt being promised that we're going to address the bullpen. And this is both the Yankees and the Mets, by the way. And then they're addressing the bullpen and signing guys off the scrap heap. At the, end, done. at the end of the day, and this is how we're going to wrap it up. I'm tired of failure. Period. On that note, that's going to conclude this edition of Downtown Sports.
want to thank our man, our statistician, Crystal Large, for our NFL Top 10. like to thank our man, Tony Mango, the rest of our downtown sports crew. We are on every Tuesday, Wednesday with rants and live episodes every single week. Mal, where can our listeners think of us? Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Overcast, Radio Public, CastBox, and Bullhorn. Ten different platforms every single week because we're downtown sports. We are where sports come home. And by the way, before we break out, want to give a special acknowledgement to Shane Sullivan. He's moving on to bigger and better things, but I wanted to thank Shane. He's been our engineer from April when we started this bad boy up again. We want to thank you, and we hope that you keep listening and hope to have you back with us at some time, maybe some point in time. But Shane Sullivan, thank you for everything you've done for Shane, for Chris, for Tony, for Beast. It's the Mouth of the South, John Schiavone saying, we out. Bye.